Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome Jorg Albrecht to the podcast. Welcome, Jorg. Hey, thank you very much, James. So, Jorg, you are the managing director of Heavy Technologies. You know, we met basically talking about bolted joint reliability, and that's what we're here to talk about is bolted joint reliability. We'll get into a little bit more in depth than that in a bit, but can you give us an introduction to yourself, heavy technologies, that type of stuff? Myself. Well, yeah, I'm a bolt geek, I guess. Basically, I'm I'm a bolt geek. Um, I've been involved in bolted joints for about 30 years. Uh, When when I began this this whole journey, I never expected that that three decades from then, I'd still be involved in this. I I always thought, like everybody that does it, bolts, nuts and bolts, like what's the big deal? There's, There's nothing involved in it. How can it be exciting? But even after 30 years, I'm, I'm still surprised. I'm still just 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 excited about this stuff. It is absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been doing it. I've been traveling around the world, uh, consulting, doing uh, doing services, and any anything that's that's that involves the integrity of, of bolted joints, pressure bolts, mechanical joints, anything with nuts and bolts. Um, Heavy Technology is uh, is a Switzerland-based company. We've uh, we've been in business uh, for I don't know uh, maybe uh, 17, 18 years now, and again just focusing on on this 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 one unique area of of bolts and joints. Prior to that, I, I'd always been involved in bolts as well, uh, working for others. Um, again, uh, providing services to industry, um, providing troubleshooting when when things go awry, and and here I am still doing it and. On this show. Wow. Who would have expected it? Yeah, it's interesting. And then come to find out, you know, you were raised only about 30 kilometers from where I am. So it's interesting. (laughs) It's a small world. It's an absolute small world. And and regardless of where I travel, even even the most most stinkiest remote, tiniest little airports, I always seem to run into somebody that uh, that I've always uh, either been on a project on or know through somebody else. It, it, it's great. It's a it's a fantastic job, and I'm really fortunate that I've got this. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to talk about bolted joints and the reliability of bolted joints and some of the issues out there with bolted joints. But just to make sure everyone is on the same page, what do you consider a bolted joint? And any any. Any piece of a mechanical equipment or any 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 component that's got a flange and a hole that needs to be held together by this this threaded component or two threaded components actually a, a nut and a bolt. So that that's what I consider a bolted joint, and there are many variations of them. But bottom line, that's it. All right, perfect. And what is bolted joint reliability? Does that mean you know we're going to throw a nut and bolt on there and it's going to stay there forever? Does it mean it's going to operate within a certain parameters that we specify what is reliability of well that, that's the intent isn't it that that's the that, that's what everybody's striving for but because there's there's such there's such a misconception about this whole idea about bolting sometimes we don't really achieve that and 
that's that's why we're having this this podcast. That's why I'm 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 I'm, I'm spreading the word, if you will, on the reliability of nuts and bolts. I the, the biggest part of my job is is enlightening people to the uh, the the biggest myth in mechanical engineering of bolting. We'll get into that in a minute. That's that's a nice little segue into it. I'll I'll let you drive it. And once we get there, people will say, what? What's what what myth? There's no myth. There's nothing strange about this. Well, you know, we can start with a couple myths, you know, put the put a bigger breaker bar on it and tighten as much as you can. Put a bigger breaker bar onto it, hang a couple more buddies off the end of the cheater bar, whack it with a bigger hammer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Sure. That'll that'll make it stop leaking. That that won't uh that won't cause a thing to break or anything. That that's always a solution or variations of them, of course. Yeah, the tighter the better, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, with that being said, how do we normally determine if a bolt is properly in place? And I'm going to use "properly" in quotes here, if you will. Well, how do we I normally guess, do that? Or I general guess, industry? Sorry. I guess you step back and and you see you see whether or not the thing is leaking. Or whether or not you see flames coming out of the damn thing, or whether or not the thing is shaking itself loose, then 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 you think, okay, well, if it doesn't, then you say, oh, it's not really tight enough. We 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 have no control. But if it's not obviously in trouble, then what we do is is we 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 apply a little bit of control. We and and the control to tightening bolts. That's can we throw a question out there to the audience? Hey, audience. How do you make sure that your nuts and bolts are tight enough? And I bet a bunch of people are raising their hands right now. Oh, 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 I know, I know. We torque it properly. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, but how do you know that the bolt is tight enough? Well, we put the right torque on it. Well, what does the right torque mean? Well, we have a specification. And somebody else goes, oh, 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 oh. But we must use calibrated equipment. Uh, well, here we go. Here we go. That takes us down the big rabbit hole of the engineering myth, the fallacies of bolted joints and torque. Torque, if you will, is utter. Can we say this? Bovine fecal matter? Lightweight? <laughs> and no kidding, it is. It is absolute bollocks. Torque. Is, is something that people say, well, as long as we torque the joint properly, as long as we follow the torque spec, we're going to get a reliable joint. If everything else is, is done properly, like your surfaces are done properly, you've got the right materials and everything. Okay, let's, let's put those factors aside, but let's go back to torque. So torque, the, the problem with torque is, is that torque is an input force. You're not re, re, you're not focusing on an input force. What you have to focus on is the result of that input force. Nuts and bolts or bolted joints. If an engineer has done his job correctly, what he does is he determines how much force is within a system, trying to spread the flange apart, trying to make the joint fail, make goop leak out of the joint. Uh, cause cause the components to fall down. So the engineer says, okay, so I've got this much force, hmm, and I've got this much force, so I need to have more force holding this thing together. So then he says, all right, well, we're going to figure out what this force is. 
And everybody else is saying there's, yeah, yes, of course. He's trying to calculate the torque. No, 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 no. He's not trying to calculate the torque. It's the force, the clamp force. The two are vastly different. All right. So, no, go ahead. So torque and clamp force are not different. And Ooh, they're quite different. And without getting into a lot of details, or we can get into those details as well, is torque, you mentioned, is that input force. Yeah. So if I have dry threads versus lubricated threads, if I have a burr, if I have a burr on stuff, that's all going to influence the torque, not necessarily the clamping force, correct? There you go. Okay, listen. What you can do is is if if you take an extreme, I I use this example quite often, we can can completely torque a a joint with a calibrated torque wrench, right? Um, But... Excuse me. Let, let's assume that it's a that, that's a big nut and bolt, and and we're using hydraulic torque wrench, right? So with a hydraulic torque wrench, you have certain pressures on your your uh, hydraulic pump, which correspond to the, the 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 torque setting of that particular tool. So let's say, for example, we need uh, six thousand psi to achieve I don't know x number of newton meters or or foot pounds, right? So the guy operating the pump. He watches it and he stops the pump when it reaches 6,000 PSI and he sticks his, his wrench on there. So that, that's the whole premise. Then he gets the right torque and everybody thinks, thinks yeah, hey, we've done it. Let's, let's step back a minute. Let's, before we put the torque wrench on, let's, adjoin, let's, let's join these, uh, the, the nut together with the bolts. Okay, We spin the nut on, but before the nut is spun on all the way, we asked Buddy with the welder next door to come on over here. Hey, Buddy, come here with your welder. Zap this, zap the nut onto the thread of this bolt. He said, what? What are you talking about? I said, just, just bear with me. Just bear with me. Weld the nut onto the bolt here. Just a little tack, just a little tack weld. He said, oh, okay, all right. Welds the nut on there. Okay, so now let's get our torque wrench. And we put our torque wrench onto the nut, right? And we get a backup wrench. We stick our backup wrench on the head of the bolt. So now... Buddy on the on the hydraulic wrench, he says, "Okay, we're ready to go. Fingers out, no no pinch points and everything. Yeah, 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 fine. Okay, go." And the torque wrench cycles until it gets close to six thousand psi. And Buddy's watching that gauge because he's really, really determined to be as accurate as possible. So he's watching it. He's almost at six thousand. Almost at six thousand. There we go. Boom. Stop. We're at six thousand psi. The assumption now is that the joint is tight, right? That that bolt has been tight. Is it really? No, not at all, not at all. Because the nut, the nut hasn't even moved up against the flange because we stopped it. That, that, that weld has stopped the nut from turning, right? Yep. Yet we've used a calibrated torque wrench. And hey, not even just the calibrated torque wrench, but we've also calibrated the pressure gauge on the hydraulic pump. So the assumption is, hey, we've done our job. We've torqued it properly. The joint is done properly. It's completely loose. But it's completely loose in spite of the fact that we applied the right torque with the right equipment. Now, if we were to do this on a flange, then there's another thing involved where we have to do the the patterns. We do all these crazy esoteric patterns, and, and people say, yeah, yeah, we've got it. But no, the thing is loose. But you've applied the right torque. All right. Now let's step back a minute here. Nobody, well, not too many people, weld nuts onto bolts, do they? Not at all. Uh, 
I've seen more than my more than a fair yeah, share. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, after thirty years of doing this, I've seen some pretty funky stuff out in the field as well. Okay, so so not too many people do this. So that that's kind of unrealistic. But what is realistic is something very close to welding it out onto this thing. Is you know, like you mentioned, damaged threads. You get damaged threads. Um, you've got you've got gunk in the threads. You've got contaminated lube. You've got interaction between the bolts when you're tightening them. Um, there are so many variations involved that affect how much torque actually results in the the output in the the clamp force. Now we, we can we can get a little technical right now. You know, there, there's a formula for calculating torque, right? And that is, the short form is T equals KDF. So what is T? T, obviously, torque. Hey, what's F? F is that force. F is the force that the engineer says, hey, this is how much force we have to have on this joint to hold it together, right? D is another easy one. D is the diameter of the fastener. So when, when the engineer does, does all his calculations, he determines the right size of, of fasteners, and, and usually they want to make the, the flanges as, as light as possible, right? Uh, and, and so, and, and designs the number of fasteners, the size and material and everything. So that, that's, that's where D comes in. But then we have one left, K. What is K? K should actually be B for, you know what? Bovine fecal matter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but what is it? K is that uh, is that that coefficient, right? Torque is that, uh, or it's K is that 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 factor that we that we see on 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 cans of lube, on cans of bolt goop or bolt bolt snot, right? Um, K is what we see on on our on our torque charts, and what is it though? What is it? It is bovine fecal matter in terms of what we're actually trying to achieve. First of all, who determines the, the, these K factors? Yeah, okay, all right. You may have some, some, some labs that, that can do this properly, but you know, so I said lab? <laughs> what, what, what's, what's a lab like? Ooh, lab is like, like pristine. Clean. Yeah, pristine environment, clean, you know. Is that realistic out in the, out in the field, out in industry? Well, you know, there's only, you know, contamination here or there, weld slag, you know, oh, grinding yeah. stuff, dirt, oh, debris, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, dust and goop and rain, even when it's done outside, it affects all the, it affects the K factor of, of the, of the bolt goop, at least. But then, then, of course, we have still have to contend with all of those other factors that we discussed, right? The, 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 the the uh, the con condition of the threads, condition of the flanges, condition of the washers, all of these go into the uh, the relationship between torque and the actual clamp force that keeps the joint closed and and safe. So, in essence, when you have a a, a torque spec, the torque spec makes one assumption. The torque spec assumes that you have this one particular coefficient of friction on every single bolt on your flanges every single day. Completely unrealistic. Completely unrealistic. 
because you never know what's going to happen in the future. If you're going to have damaged threads, if you're going to have gunk in there, if you're going to have a little bit of misalignment, actually. So the K, the K factor is, is forcing you to guess, to assume, to put your faith into the engineering gods. That doesn't always work out. No, absolutely not. Because like you said, all those different things may influence torque, but we're not getting that clamping force we need. We're not. And, and so, we think that we are. We assume that we are. So how what do, happens. Well, so how do we get this clamping force then? Well, how do we get this clamping force? Or, 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 or how do we measure? How do we measure it? How do we know we're doing things correctly then if oh, we can't oh, rely well, on torque? Well, well there, there are any number of things. There, the, the, the biggest thing is that that one cannot rely on torque as a as an indication of of the tightness of of the the the, the bolted joint, right? So you you have to have some quality assurance there. And and like you said, well, what's the question? How do we how do we get this quality assurance? Well, you know, I've I've always been been told that hey, you do something, you you verify it, right? And and I, I need to do this a lot because if I'm working out in my shop and I'm, I'm doing some carpentry, let's say, I always have to measure three times because invariably I no no thirteen times because invariably <laughs> I make a complete mess, right? So I I, I measure thirteen times, but when we're talking about bolted joints. Most people don't even verify it once because they torque it and then they say, oh, everything's fine. And then you walk away and then you wonder, well, why the hell is this thing leaking? Why is it shaking loose? Because it's, there's, no, there's not been any verification. So the, the important thing is, is to verify what has been done. You verify, you measure the, uh, the, the, the result of the input of the torquing process. So that then you can go back and say, oh, gee, you know what? Uh, I have to increase my torque value to achieve the clamp force. Now, this blows people's minds. I've been involved with many people out in the field. When I tell them, hey, increase the torque, most of them say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, sir. You know, we're, we're going to yield the bolts. We're going to yield it. We can't. Uh, no, you're not even close to yielding the bolts. You're not even close to where you have to be. Put some more input force into it, and then tighten the damn thing up. Then, then we'll get it. I'm going to take a little little side a little side trip here. Right. Torquing. I'll give you an, a, a, um, you know an, an analogy that I often use. Trying to apply the proper, uh, trying to apply a torque figure to achieve a certain tightness is like um, it's like. Controlling the speed of your car by measuring the deflection of your accelerator pedal, right? So if you if you if you push it down, I don't know, a couple centimeters, you know that hey, a couple centimeters, I'm going well, 53 kilometers per hour, and you can calibrate that even, right? You can get buddy with a radar gun measuring while you're driving, and you say, oh yeah, I'm gonna measure my my deflection. So 20 centimeters or four centimeters, I'm doing 52.9 kilometers an hour. And then so on. You get a nice little linear relationship, okay? And that's that's how you then can control it. But what happens? What happens if you throw some kids in the back, right? What happens if you if you throw a load of I don't know a load of groceries in the trunk? What happens or, if you? Yeah, go ahead. Or, or heavy headwind or tailwind. Heavy headwind, heavy tailwind. You're going up a hill. You're going around a corner. Absolutely. All of these have have uh, an input into what happens to um, 
to, to the relationship between the input force, your deflection, and your output, your speed. So measuring speed by measuring the deflection of, of, uh, of, of your accelerator pedal is kind of silly, isn't it? It is. So Yet with this the- is what industry does. Yet this is what everybody condones. You've got, you've got authorities, government authorities. You've got OEMs. You've got inspectors saying, you know, just torque it and we're okay. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, so then how do they measure that clamp force then? Uh, okay. Are, right. strain, are we getting into strain gauges and various other things like ooh, that? Or is it ooh, something totally we're different? getting fancy. Now we're getting fancy. Yeah, actually, strain gauging is, is strain gauging is, is actually, I, I would say, the ultimate. Slap a strain gauge onto it and see what the actual effect is, what the output is. It's like, like you know, measuring your speed with a speedometer. A strain gauge is the ultimate speedometer when we're talking about bolt joints or bolt uh, bolt stress bolt clamp force that's ideal but in many cases it's a bit of an overkill and and in a lot a lot of cases you don't uh, you really don't need it the the whole thing about um about bolted joints and the the qa of bolted joints is that and this is what probably what a lot of people are listening here are thinking right now is they're thinking who is this crazy guy? Like, what, what the hell are you talking about? I've been twerking bolts for, for, for eons and nothing's ever happened. Well, the, the, the good thing about it is that in the majority of cases, it doesn't matter what, what, what the actual output is because the, bolt to joint, the joint has been so over-designed that it doesn't matter if you're out by 20, 30, 40% of what you're really trying to achieve. So there's a huge safety factor in there. But there are certain uh, certain applications where it becomes more important to to have a better idea of what the clamp force is. So you rather than being out 20, 30, 40 percent and and with torque, as if we go back to that example of welding the nut on the stud, we can be out 100 percent. Right. Yep. So that's probably the worst. Nobody can be out 100 percent. But 30, 40 percent, ah, big deal. No, no problem. But like I said, more critical applications require more control. So strain gauging is way at the tip where we have some really, really critical applications, right? That we don't want falling down and don't want blowing up. So we can throw some strain gauges on there if that's what we have to do. But there are, there are better ways of doing it. Um, <clears throat> there are, the important thing is verification. So verification can, can go anywhere from, well, you, you can't. Torque itself is is a verification method, kind of. It's an, an implied verification method. So if you've got the right torque, 50, 30% out, so what? Big deal. But then going up, we we have other methods of verifying. Um, strain gauging is, is one of them, as you said, to measure the actual stress. The uh, there are there are certain um, devices, like for example, in, in the civil industry. They're, they're what we call these uh, these direct tension indicators. The direct tension indicators, uh, if, if we got a bunch of uh, st- iron workers here, they'll, they're probably familiar with that. They're, they're washers. They're washers with raised pips. So the idea is that at a certain load, these pips will compress. So you stick a feeler gauge in there, right? You stick a feeler gauge in, and as long as the, the, the feeler gauge co- can't go in, you've got the right stress within your uh with, within your joint so it, it's a direct indication of how much load you've got however that's not without issues either because 
the most obvious thing is that, hey, you can over-tighten the damn thing and you can be close to, you could have yielded the fastener or you could be close to ultimate if, yep. if you're not careful, right? And there's no way of going back after the joint's been tightened to see whether or not it, it's relaxed to because everything's still compressed, right? Things might shake loose, but still not uh, loose enough uh, to prevent fatigue failure. So that's an issue. The other issue is that if you've got a sprung joint, uh, a joint that's initially opened up, or if you got bad washers in there, uh, you've got you're, you're trying to uh, you, you your force is actually trying to straighten out the joint before you're actually putting any stress into the bolt, before you're putting more clamp load on the joint, and you've got compression of the gasket or compression of the flange, right? So that's an issue. But that, that's that's one way of doing it. Um, another way of doing it is load cells. Throw a load cell in there, kind of like strain gauges. But again, it's, it's, it's a bit of an overkill. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out Iridicio's IBL blended learning for maintenance and reliability professionals. This SMRP accredited project-based curriculum will take you through all aspects of a maintenance and reliability program and provides you with all the tools you need to generate a 30 times return on investment for your organization and a set of credentials from the University of Tennessee for you. You can find out more at ibltraining.com. After some brief technical difficulties, we have Jorg back. And Jorg, right before we were cut off, we were talking about how to measure clamp force. Um, specifically, you know, previously talking about that torque wasn't a good indicator of that. And yep. you were starting to explain elongation. And, 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 then, and then the torque gods came into it and cut off our internet, I think. That's what the whole thing was all about. It, yeah. it is. It's a giant conspiracy to keep people using torque. Well, that's just exactly <laughs> it. And, and, and you know what? You mentioned to keep people from using torque. It's not about using torque. You've got a torque. Torque, you, you've got to apply force. But the, the issue is that these, these torque conspirators, they say that, hey, this is the way that we can control how tight the bolts are. But it's just not so. So on that note, we can continue. All right. Perfect. And right before we were cut off, you were talking about elongation as oh, yeah. a way to measure clamp force. And you're getting into why some people don't like it, but why we should use it and, you know, the how bolts are designed to work, really. Well, and, I, I, uh, I think when you mentioned some people don't like it, I, I, there, there are a couple of issues there. First of all, a lot of people don't understand this whole thing about elongation. What's this elongation thing? Then, then, then we start talking about bolts are springs and bolts actually stretch. And people say, what? The bolts stretch? They can't stretch. That's bad for us. We're going to break the bolts if they stretch. But no, no, no. That, that's the basic premise behind a bolt. A bolt acts like a spring. Like when you stretch a spring... The more force you apply to stretch it, the more force there is trying to return that spring back to its original length. And that's what provides you that clamp length. And the, the, the relationship between the stretch of the spring and the stress is, is more or less linear until you get to a yield point. Um, for example, if, if, you, if you have a certain amount of stress, you know that you're going to get a certain amount of stretch for a certain material. Again, as long as you don't go, go beyond yield. So measuring elongation is an effective way of verifying what you've actually achieved when you've torqued the bolt or when you've beat it with a big hammer or when you've hung a bunch of guys off the end of a cheater bar, right? So you just measure it. You measure the elongation and see, what's, uh, see what the result is. If you don't have enough, 
Well, you hang another guy off the cheater bar until you get that elongation that you require. And that's what pr provides you with that clamp force or what that, that's what indicates that clamp force that you have. So how do we measure elongation? Are we out there with mics and verniers measuring how far the bolt stretches or is there? A in, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's one way of doing it. And if we have a bunch of mechanical uh, or, or auto mechanics here, some of these guys, they, they do that. They measure the elongation of their head bolts using, uh, using dial indicators. And in some cases, if you've got access to both ends, you can use a vernier as well. And that, that's, that's a great way of doing it. You won't, don't want to use a steel rule to do this because you've got very small amounts of elongation, right? That you're measuring. One way that's uh, that's been developed for the space industry many years ago is based on ultrasonics. And that's actually what our technicians use out in the field. We measure the elongation of a fastener that's being tightened or after it's been tightened through specialized ultrasonic equipment. And the way that that works is we take a reference length of a fastener, a, a, a non-loaded length, if you will, and we store that in the database. And then we tighten the bolt or we ask the, 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 the contractors who we're supporting out there, okay, tighten it up, buddy. And they're either torquing it or they're tensioning it or they're beating the snot out of it. And that's okay. They can beat the snot out of it as long as they don't break the thing, of course. But then what we do is we measure it. And once we get that elongation that we're looking for, that's been specified by the engineer, we tell the guy, hey, stop, stop. That's it. No more torque or don't hit it anymore or get, hey, get that guy off the end of the cheater bar. We're finished. And that's it. That's one way of verifying the load that we've achieved. What we do then is we go and repeat this for all the fasters in that particular flange. And we'll go back afterwards because you're always going to have interaction between bolts as you tighten them. And then we do another check to see whether or not any of them have to be tuned to uh, compensate for any low transport or crosstalk. Okay. Now, with that, where do we get these elongation values? If we're if we're doing straight, dirty, and simple with verniers and calipers, is there specifications out there that says you know this length of this size bolt at this grade is going to elongate this much under proper clamping force? Or well, there we go. There we go. Proper clamping force. Now we're getting into something that that is 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 a really uh, it really upsets me. We're looking at at standards, and this kind of reeks like those torque charts that we see out there. You know, the, the torque charts say for this particular bolt for this particular material, this is the torque that you need to apply. That's a load of crap. That's a load of crap because the publishers of these torque figures of these torque charts say that, well, this is based on 70% uh, yield of the material. This is the torque that you have to apply, right? But, hey, joints don't all require 70% yield or the equivalent of 70% yield of the fasteners. Some may require 80%. Some may require 85%. Some with gasket joints may require 60 50% even. So to rely on, on these torque values or these torque charts to, to determine how tight your bolts must be is ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. And that goes back to the same thing that you just uh, uh, said. Well, are there any standards for bolts to determine how much elongation we have to have? No, there are no standards, but there are, there are standard calculations that can be done. Okay. But it all depends on how much force is required by that joint, by that particular bolt. So the guy who designs this, 
he will do the calculation of elongation. What elongation corresponds to a certain amount of clamp force. And then from there, he will go and develop a torque specification for those guys who have absolutely no way of measuring elongation or who don't understand this um, or who are completely afraid of it. And the way he does that is, well, he takes a, can I say wild ass? Can we see that <laughs> right here? Yep, he takes a wild ass guess at what the friction might be in the future. And remember that, that little short uh, formula that we talked about, the T equals KDF? Yep. So K, K is that, 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 that friction factor. And this is where he has to guess. He has to guess. He has to predict the future. What's going to happen in the future? What is my friction going to be on, on this particular bolted joint? I'm, what, how much goop are they going to put on there? How much damage will they have on these particular threads? So, you know, he, he throws the dice and says, okay, I'm going to put in 0.13 as, as my friction factor. So then he comes up with this torque figure. And we know that nobody can predict the future. Or a really rich guy can because he's predicted the future and he's bought lottery tickets all the time, right? Yep. I don't have really too many of those guys in the industry. So that, that's that's the issue that we're working with here. All right. So what we should have in theory then, if it's a properly engineered joint, we should have that engineer designing that joint, calculating how much elongation we would need for that those particular bolts to achieve that clamp force. Absolutely. And okay. that's what that's what all OEMs should do. Anybody who does a torque specification should state that, hey, this is the force that I need on my joint so that it doesn't fall apart or cause havoc. So for this particular force, if you're going to measure elongation, well, this is the elongation that you're shooting for, right? So the engineer covers his butt. And, but then he says, well, we, you know, we've got all these people that understand torque, so I'm going to throw them a torque figure. Yep. But the, they must state that, hey, this torque figure is a target only. This is a target that you can use to, uh, to, to size your torque wrenches, to buy the correct torque wrenches in an attempt to achieve the force that I need on my joint so that you don't come back and sue me for for." doing improper engineering on here. All right. All right. I think I got you. So, you know, we got all these factors that go into it. Most of these torque formulas, you know, like you said, they're trying to predict the future with sight unseen equipment, sight unseen or qualifications unknown of, of the installers, all these things we're trying to predict. And it just doesn't work. There's better ways to do it. Like you said, oh, well, ultrasound. There's, yeah, there's a better way of doing it, but, but, Regardless of it's better or not, the whole premise is, is, is ridiculous. You do something, and then you guess at what the outcome is. Who the hell does that? Particularly engineering, right? What engineer guesses and hopes what they do will have a certain outcome? Nobody really does that. So to save your own butt, to save the butts of the people whose butts are walking under like these bridges or beside these exchanges that might blow up, cover your butt verify verify so you can modify all right so with that being said can organizations a typical manufacturer as an example can they get the equipment and the know-how to verify this or is that where they rely on yourself and organizations like heavy industries to kind of come in and do this for them 
there, there, there are a lot of options as, as I alluded to before. Like we, we, you can throw strain gauges on there. You can do load cells. Uh, you can do turn of the nut things. And, and as I said, it all depends on the, on the criticality of the application. So yeah, when you have critical applications, when, when it involves safety, or when it involves the reliability and productivity of a plant that's uh, that, that that's going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of downtime costs, then yeah, you, you do bring in the uh, the experts, and, and and that that's what puts food on our table. We've uh, we we work around the world to support mechanical contractors in the field to support OEMs, insurance companies to do the verifications, to set up the, uh, the the systems to ensure that the bolted joints are reliable. And then we do the training in, in the field as well in, in this regard. So yeah, but in, in, as I also said at the very beginning of this, most joints, most joints are so over-designed that it doesn't matter. You don't have to have control. You you can get away with guessing. And that that's, that's what... A lot of these people uh, are relying on. They're relying on their guesses, and and their experience with the guesses has been that hey, we've had no problems. And if they have had problems, they kind of they'll probably blame it on something else. Um, but yeah, you have to assign the proper level of control based on the uh, based on the application itself. So indeed, those critical ones, yeah, that that's where we come into it. That's where we come in and and support the uh, the owners and, and all all parties involved. All right, excellent. Now we've talked a lot about bolted joint reliability. Not enough. Not enough. I can go on for hours. <laughs> well, we might have a part two then to go in a little bit more detail around some of these things. Then there we go. Um, but what is the one action you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? If you're li- if you're talking to a maintenance supervisor, a millwright, a plant engineer, what do you want them to take away from this conversation? The one basic idea that that torque is nonsense in terms of a metric of a bolt's tightness. Torque does not define tightness. Torque is only an input. Torque is an input in an effort to achieve tightness, the bolt stress, the clamp force. It's that ladder, the clamp force that keeps your joint together, not the input force. All right, excellent. So some great words of wisdom for our listeners. Now, York, I always like to find, give people the opportunity. Where can people find out more about you, heavy industries, bolted joint reliability, all these great things that we're talking about today? Heavy technology, heavy technology. Yes, we do work in heavy industries, but we're known as heavy heavy technology. <laughs> Want to go back? Want to cut that out and edit it? Yep. Okay. Did I say technology? I thought no, I said, you te- said industries, heavy industries. I'm sorry, I have had technologies written down. <laughs> so it's similar, heavy technology. It's technology. Yeah. Okay. Wrote that down wrong. Okay. So York, I always like asking people, where can people find out more about you? Heavy technology, bolted joint reliability, all these great things we've been talking about today. Well, in terms of finding me, um, I've, I've had quite a few big following on LinkedIn. I've got over 10,000 followers now, which is like, I'm the Kim Kardashian of LinkedIn. I, I'm, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Uh, but, but yeah, LinkedIn or our website at www.heavytechnology.nope, I'm sorry, edit that one out. <laughs> okay. 
or our website at uh, www.heavytech.com, H-E-V-I-I-T-E-C-H.com. All right, excellent. I will definitely put links to those in the show notes so people can easily find them. One last question I always like asking is, do you have a favorite resource or go-to resource for people working in the field? Is there a textbook, a manual, a handbook, something that you want to share with our listeners around this topic? There, there are so many disparate pieces of information that uh, that are out there. I've, I've collated lots of them. Uh, I've, I've got an incredible library that I've accumulated over thirty years. But, but yeah, the there, there is one particular author, and he, he's he's my bolting god, uh, John Bickford. Anything put up by John Bickford, those are the bolting bibles. People that uh, that are involved and interested in bolted joints. They should look out for some of John Bigford's books. All right. Excellent. I will have to do some research and put some links to those as well. Eric, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about bolted joint reliability. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, James. I always appreciate the any opportunity to get up on my soapbox and talk about my favorite subject. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.